everybody. Welcome to Nerdy AF. My name is Kayla. And I'm Finch. And we are accompanied by Aaron. And so this is this is really exciting because me and Finch have been kind of fangirling for a while. Um, I, I know a lot of people could probably speak to it when getting into 3D printing. We've definitely started by looking at your page. So tell us a little bit more about the whole process when it comes to 3D printing because you've created a a really great foundation for yourself. What what made you want to go into like more of the business direction with everything? Yeah. So first off, thank you guys for having me. I'm real excited to be here and uh, talking with you both. Uh, as far as kind of what I do and what I've built is we're basically a, a top to bottom uh, helmet, armor, weapon, prop fabricator. So we'll take a design, go all the way from 3D design down to 3D printing and uh, finishing and painting and uh, down to making it look cool. And so, yeah, it's what started as a, a small business in my one bedroom apartment has kind of exploded over the past few years. And to, now we've got a couple full-time employees and uh, feels like we're hiring more every day. The um, So um, how long ago did it start? Like first printer... Yeah, so that was probably 2017. I started as a big baby props. The <laughs> big baby was my nickname uh, that my sisters gave me, and so kind of just ran with that. But uh, started out with a CR10, you know, good old Creality printer in my apartment. Uh, didn't really buy that to make start making money, but just kind of. Uh, Thought, hey, if I make enough money with this, I could buy a second 3D printer and then make <laughs> even more stuff. And so that led to that. Uh, eventually, I had 10 or so uh, 3D printers going in my one-bedroom apartment. Moved to a, moved to a two-bedroom apartment just to put that extra bedroom with just full of printers. And from there, moved to a house. Had printers all up in our basement making a bunch of noise and a bunch of heat. And uh, eventually we we found our own space here at this warehouse where we've got about 75 or so 3D printers now. That was going to be my next question is how many are you rocking now? And <laughs> it, it ebbs and flows. Some of them die. And like we have a lot of old older generation printers still right now that we're looking to, to replace. Because like one of the current generation printers can probably do the same amount of work better as three older printers. Yeah, I was going to follow up with that. What what kind of printers do you have uh, right now with like your whole setup? Do you have a bunch of different brands or do you like to stick with one in particular? And do you have like someone who fixes them? Uh, yeah, so we have a dedicated printer technician. His name is Matt. Uh, I taught him basically everything he knows about a 3D printer. But we have two main types of printers in the shop. We've got the Creality CR10 V2. Those are the older ones now. Bought those like in 2020. So they're definitely seeing some age. Uh, those are being replaced by Bamboo Lab X1 Carbons. Those are a lot more advanced. They use AI, LiDAR, lasers, everything to to get uh, get good prints. We've got like a, a CR30, which is an infinite access printer for like sword blades, things like that. We got resin printers. Uh, we get printers sent to us sometimes for review. So we've got a lot of printers, but uh, the CR10 V2 and the X1 Carbon are the big ones. 
Man, can you send can you send Matt over to my house for just like a day? Like... <laughs> he, he, by now he knows every single part of a CR ten V two printer. Mm-hmm. That's um, uh, people have listened to the podcast heard me lament. I've got a, a CR ten Max that's just giving me all kinds of fits. I've sent it to two different mm-hmm. people to have them fix it, and they ended up sending it back to me. Like, dude, I don't know what's wrong with it. Um, well, <laughs> so... it's kind of funny. It's like automobiles. So if you bought a car in the 80s, you could, you know, service it yourself pretty easily. Whereas now if you buy a, a car brand new and you hear something rattling inside, you open up the hood and it's just like all obfuscated, all hidden from the user. You can't really find even like the battery to the car sometimes. It's like that with printers now. A lot of the turnkey printers are so like, are so obfuscated and so... uh crammed in a tight place that they're pretty difficult to fix and uh you need to really know what you're doing yeah well and a lot of those older ones like obviously like i've got uh two ender threes that i'm rocking and uh those things are great when that because i mean pretty much you pop one panel off and you can see everything you know yep. like it's all right <laughs> in there but yeah so i've yep. seen those bamboo ones i've i'm tempted to get one so bad because they look so phenomenal they sent us the first one for free and i've bought 10 more oh wow like with my own money they're my drug dealer, really. <laughs> how's how's the maintenance on those? Because I know a lot of people probably got started with Creality, and are they the upkeep is a lot for a lot of those printers, um, and I'm sure a lot of people are getting sick of it at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're not too bad. I was managing by myself around 50 at one point. It's all a matter of like juggling them, and if you if you recognize the print failures any different sounds that they might be making, you can, you can uh, catch up on it pretty good. I don't know if you saw this, Kayla. One of the things that I loved was a video you posted one time where it was like, you know, being there in Iowa um, in your workshop and just like show up in the morning to the workshop, open the door. There is no heat on in the workshop, but just from like the 70 plus printers (laughs) going, check the thermometer. It's like 70, 72 degrees inside the yeah. workshop and that is phenomenal <laughs> it gets down to like minus 20 outside and it's a pretty uh balmy 60 degrees in here even in even on the coldest days and that's just from all the printers running out there <laughs> that, that's actually really impressive <laughs> yeah yeah and i feel that i've got in my uh living room i've got a corner where i've got a workbench where i've got three printers that are going and my family calls it the hot corner of the room because if you if you're chilly at all go yes. stand in that corner for a few minutes and yeah you'll feel warmed up it's like Before... standing next to a fireplace before we had air conditioning in this place, we had a corner that we called the hate corner because it was just like <laughs> it felt like concentrated evil. It was just so much heat. It was unbearable. It'd be like over 100 degrees in that one corner. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I feel you there. <laughs> so with with production, like I know I was drawn to your page initially when I was working on uh, a Boba Fett cosplay and obviously the whole Mandalorian, there's a lot of similar, uh, like the, the track suit and stuff underneath. But um, when it comes to production of things, what do you feel like is your like heavy hitter? What are people wanting the most? I think what people want the most are good files. And so that's what we've really, that's basically my job. It's a lot of when you see something new on TV for the first time, you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Pause and then go frame by frame, <laughs> taking screenshots, looking at, you know, shadows, adjusting brightnesses, contrast to get to just see just the smallest detail uh, because people want the most accurate representation of those characters. 
they're going to be putting in a lot of work to to a full costume and so it's kind of our responsibility to make sure that the files are as good as we can get them the first pass Mm -hmm. do you feel a lot of pressure with that like if you're sitting there watching something like the mandalorian or something you're like dude i gotta like get to blender like right now and like pound out that file because the competition's crazy like hell divers just came out mm -hmm. and like within a day or two like a bunch of people already had files out for it that is kind of the price that you pay for having a, a cool job like this is that you don't get to enjoy uh purely your favorite shows or anything anymore uh but i sound like i'm complaining but it, it's a lot of fun because yeah we've been on the hell divers uh kick lately we released three helmets to the patreon uh, this month and we're working on armor and we're considering uh doing the full cosplay of it ourselves here in the next few months that'd be That's phenomenal cool. yeah, yeah. How how long would you say it typically takes you to crank out like uh, either a hem- helmet or a full suit? Actually, both of those I'm interested in when it, like a new show comes out. So like from 3D, like creating the 3D files for it. Yep. It can it can vary quite a bit. Sometimes you get the perfect like 360 helmet view in episode. If we if I think back to it, the Foundling helmet in like Mandalorian season three, episode one, you see like the perfect front center view of it. You see it from the side, you see it from the back pretty well. And so that was probably a week to design. We had it out, I think before the next episode, sometimes like the Imperial commandos, the, the, the white troopers for Moff Gideon, uh, you see them in one episode, but the whole episode is dark. It's you only get like fleeting glances of them. And so sometimes you just make the rough model, you get it as good as you think. But before release, I'll wait two, maybe three weeks for better references and just kind of iterate on it, you know, the better looks that we get. So it, it can uh, it can take a while. With a helmet like Helldivers, uh, it was pretty easy because we just go in the video game, we see the 360 of it, uh, sometimes people get rips of the assets from the game. Uh, and a lot of the helmets are pretty pretty similar. So we'll just interchange some of the parts and knock them out pretty quick. So it can vary quite a bit. Uh, I think the longest one uh, was about a month. Just because we saw it once. They had like an episode gap in between. It came back and it was like, oh, we see a little bit more of them. And then the fourth episode, we were like, we got it. We're good. Are you just semi eyeballing it off of that, or are you able to scan it and pull it somehow? A lot of times, yeah, I'm just eyeballing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to not only look at it from different angles, but you've also got to kind of think like a camera. You want to think like, how is the camera looking at this helmet right now? Because will it be distorted from this angle? Uh, Where in perhaps this shot, it is not distorted. Uh, so you got to kind of think what the true shape of the helmet is beyond being on camera. That's challenging. I yeah, feel like, like you have to really truly be such a creative and artistic person to, to render that out. It It is challenging. That's why uh, there's not a lot of great people at it. Take, for example, Captain Enoch, you know, his gold faced helmet in the show. They ended up like, doing some visual effects on the faceplate to kind of smooth out a lot of the details. 
But then you look at the prop that they actually used and you're like, oh, I see a lot more definition here. They just edit it in post-production to look a little bit smoother. Now, which one, which one really do you want to focus on or which one do you want to do? The, the screen accurate one or the actually uh, accurate one? So there's that kind of aspect to it too. Well, either way, your um, your pro- I'll say your process works. Like you guys have several 3D print files that I've printed out and finished as props myself. Um, and that's like one of the things, especially you know, it's one of the places I go to. I don't remember the exact like serial number of it, but it was a Star Wars sniper rifle. Um, I did that this past fall. Um, okay. it did it did that for uh basically a scout trooper sniper thing that i was doing i added the bad batch knife to the chest plate you know um that you guys had up there and okay yeah, was it yeah. crosshairs uh sniper yeah. rifle? Okay. yeah the, the yeah. fire puncher that's a right cool one. it is it really is i got i got uh yeah several of those and i think the the scout trooper armor i got off of you guys as well and kind of did the i did a little bit, bit different rather than screen accurate i did like hydro dipping like digital camo on it and oh, stuff like oh, that okay. but it Very turned cool. out really phenomenal but yeah a lot of the times if there's a file that i'm looking for like you know the first place i want to go is galactic armory like 100 and it does always We've... crack me up i kind of like keep an eye out like something new will pop up and i'm kind of like kind of have like a, a game in my head like of scrolling through instagram how long it's gonna <laughs> see till you guys got a file up for it up. yeah yeah we've been at it for a while so we've got a huge back catalog now but as you know there's practically an unlimited amount of stuff that you can mm-hmm. model and make and all that mm-hmm. you know um because i know tv is a really popular you know place to be able to grab pictures reference things and all that good stuff but have you guys thought much about dipping into popular like book works like things that are are happening right now because they're there's a series that I really like, which I've talked about a little bit on the podcast, which is super popular right now and really popular with women. And that's the Throne of Glass series and uh, the Akatar series by Sarah J. Mass. And there's uh, a lot my of... My wife is reading them. Oh, my God. Okay, well, if you <laughs> want to do your wife and like every woman on the planet a favor, because a lot of us have significant others or currently also do 3D printing, that, you know, there's all these cri- like swords, crowns, like armor sets that I feel like would be so... Like this, an untapped market because no one really designs a lot of files for women, and no one mm-hmm. really dives into those like popular genres in the intent to create, you know, armor and stuff from it. Like I feel like books in general one are being like looked past, but also that series, those two series in particular, are like I see some people doing cosplay stuff and it's so like DIY handcrafted stuff, and I'm like, if these people had some files they had the armor yeah, oh I my like god it. yeah if you're looking to explore that you would that's be a, making a lot of people happy <laughs> that's an interesting question i've never actually thought about modeling anything from a book i i don't i listen to audio books but mm-hmm. the the you know in books some characters look different for other people despite mm-hmm. being described in the book they're in mm-hmm. and so typically what we're work what we're working towards is making the most accurate kind of file. But like you said, from books, uh, it's all theater of the mind. And so somebody's sword might look different from somebody else's. But that means that you have a lot of creative liberties and no one's going to fast type you on the internet telling you that this thing is inaccurate. Right, yeah, exactly. No, that's just how I I envisioned it in my head. There's a lot of um, AI-generated works or just, like, also just personal artist-created works of things that it does. You do get that creative freedom. 
but then it allows you to see all the different ways you could be creating this one, what we think is basic sword, right? But it's like, how many facets do we want to have on the gem in the hilt of the sword? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's significantly untapped and i'm just putting that in there because the amount of people who like i think sarah j mass has millions of followers on instagram that that i think files if you're looking to do women slash your wife a favor uh <laughs> look I, I into designing she would be all for that idea yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no it, it's really cool and poor kale here she's been wanting to cosplay a character from that but the problem is there's no stl files for anything I mean, you yeah. could learn how to model. It's not that hard. I, um, I I struggle with that. But also, like, I have even, I think a lot of viewers and listeners could agree, like, trying to get things commissioned can be difficult because a lot of the people who I've looked into to help make this armor set that I'm looking to do, because it's like a full, full armor set, and it's kind of like medieval knight kind of style, that everyone makes like figurines but they don't make wearable armor and that's something right. that's a huge learning curve and and then also trying to do that to have the the female body like everyone's very different proportions where i feel like most men from what i've seen like if you're a certain size you have a very similar build you don't have a whole lot of curves you need to work with right versus women it's like you can find curves every which way but the body type you know top bottom doesn't always you know play out with what you would think so it can be really hard to make wearable armor for some women. But yeah, if you can get the armor to be more basic and then like go, you know, tweak it and do some some things like that, I think that would be much more simple. But there's not a lot of it's really hard to model. I, I think you're you're not giving yourself enough credit for the work uh, that you do. <laughs> you know what you want to know what I was uh before Galactic Armory? I, I was a computer programmer. I was one of those types that's like I, I'm not an artist, you know, the best I can do is stick people and they look atrocious, but COVID hit and, you know, we had to, we had to find hobbies. A lot of us found 3d printing and I just happened to also find uh, like modeling, painting, all sorts of that. And if, if I was able to get to it, I believe that anybody could, because I used to be that type that was just, oh, I'm not artistic at all. You should make you know? classes like online, like <laughs> tutorials. I would, I would try it because um, some of the people trying to teach is like they go way too fast, and I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, maybe, uh, maybe we can make a a tutorial for some of that Akatar armor, or a sword, or something. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I'll we pay money. <laughs> there's also <laughs> foam. You know, there's traditional prop making techniques that not everything has to be three D printed. You know, that's true. I, I feel like I shouldn't say that, but. 3D printing uh, better. I, I worked with foam and Pepakura even before I got into 3D printing. So uh 3D printing has definitely eased a lot of those uh a lot of those uh, headaches working with foam or working with pet paper, Pepakura. Uh but sometimes uh old school is best. Mm-hmm. We would um I, I definitely feel like it has to be brought up because the this whole process that you went through with your life-size master chief and your life-size arbiter for me between tiktok and instagram has been like riveting like i love and i especially loved um the the master chief because like you know you can 3d print like a five six inch model to go on your desk that's one thing when you're going life-size even if it's the same model already like right off the top of my head there's like 
engineering issues that need to be figured out along the way. And that, that, that process, is what I've run into. Yeah. yeah so what, uh, what, what, I guess what spawned that idea to begin with just to like hit that kind of project? Uh, I believe I saw it in a, a Facebook group. You know, I saw someone standing next to their own life-size master chief that they took from uh, some halo four files, I believe. And I just went, I have one six scale master chief files that are really good. I bet I could just blow them up 600% to life-size scale and print that out. And yeah, like you said, there's a lot of engineering challenges when printing something that large and making it actually stable, not tipping over, falling over at the slightest breeze. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know, and now he's standing guard at the entrance to the shop and I get a, I get to see his smiling face every day when I come into work. <laughs> we're going to finish up the Arbiter here real soon. We got the energy sword. We just got to like put the electronics in his hand and connect it all and we're good to go yeah that i've been waiting for that especially because the while the master chief was awesome like arbiter has first of all he's bigger um and a ton more (laughs) detail especially when it comes to like like the way you resin printed the teeth to give it like that much more definition and yeah i saw the video just the other day where the sword came in and i'm anxiously awaiting to see the end of that one yeah that's been a huge project you know master chief i think took me six months to make the Arbiter has taken over a year so far. You know, he's a foot taller, but probably, you know, 50% more massive just because he's this big alien. And so you've got a lot of balancing issues. You've got to consider weight distribution. And then you got to work with the electronics for the energy sword because I didn't want to half-ass it and just paint an energy sword. I wanted actual lights and uh, sounds and glowing and... Uh, yeah, real excited for that project to be finished, and we already know what we want to do next. Oh, you're not going to give that away on the air, though, are you? Uh, I'll say that it will be another life-size thing. Okay, Ooh. all right. But but probably a little bigger. Uh, a little bit bigger. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> and it will, have it, gradual. it will be from Star Wars this time. Oh. But you're thinking Cat Bonfinch. <laughs> is, is, is it KT So by chance? I won't tell you if you're okay. right. Okay. <laughs> All right. I won't I won't keep guessing. <laughs> I kind of had this delusion in my head when I saw yours. I, you know, and of course, you know, my wife, like she's extremely supportive, but she's also kind of like, you're half insane. Um, because I had this idea like I of doing because I had downloaded your Commander Cody 3D model. And I thought okay. after I saw yours, I thought, oh, I could go full size with that and even put the LED resin print yeah, in his the, hand. In his and, hand. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where I'd put it, but it would be awesome. <laughs> That's the trouble I'm having right now. Like, we don't know where we're going to put Arbiter. He'll, he'll just be standing in the corner. But, How long is that sword? Like, when we talk in real life? It's probably four feet long. Wow. It is just obnoxious. Like, for, <laughs> if I were to hold it in my hand. Mm-hmm but it should look just right in Arbiter's hands. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. You know, when it comes to the the creating of the file and then going into the actual production, before you release files, do you guys test print everything to make sure it comes out all right? Or are you just like, we're, we're good to go? Uh, For like helmets and different things that have to fit together. Yeah, we'll, we'll print them out. We'll test them. Uh, we're getting into like prop weaponry a little bit more with like mechanics and trigger pulls and you know racking mechanisms. So we'll always test that and helmets especially. I'll test print to just make sure that the scale is consistent. 
because I've always modeled my helmets to to my head, which is a little bit bigger than average. But if I know I can get it over my head, then I know that <laughs> 95% of people will be okay. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah, you can always put in padding too. Yeah. That's true, but then you get like a little bobblehead looking effect <laughs> if, if you're if you're way off. Yeah. That's true. Cool. All right. Um I, I'm I'm excited to see. Gosh, see now my brain is just stuck on the next life size build, even though like <laughs> you're not gonna reveal it. I want to talk about it. <laughs> but um, because all that stuff, you know, because anytime you're into like, you know, anything that's like 3D printing building, like I, I feel like part of your brain has to be geared toward engineering. Like you have to begin thinking like, how would you, um, yep. so just think in my head, what possible characters it could be. And I'm already thinking like life size, how would you, you know, so, but I'll just shut up about it. <laughs> I'm going to have to start fabricating metal skeletons. Uh, if we keep going any bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that was one of the things that I, w- I was curious about when it came to um, either the master chief build or the arbiter build. Um, did you play it all with infill density, like it lower areas on the body versus top to like make it more bottom heavy, or were you just kind of printing it out oh, uniform? Yeah. The arbiter is definitely like that. His back needs to be a lot more dense than his front because he's going to have the energy sword out front. His head is like this weird noodle shape uh, <laughs> that leans forward. His other arm is like extended outward, and so I really made his back real heavy. I put like concrete in his feet to to lower his center of gravity. I uh, put a lot of expanding foam in his back as well, just to make it a little bit heavier and fill out the void space. So yeah, I should have thought it through a lot more before I started printing it all. Uh, but eventually I was able to make it all work. Uh, but lessons learned for the next one. That was, I learned a lot with Master Chief that we were able to implement with the Arbiter, but with the Arbiter being so much larger and more massive, uh, we encountered new problems that we'll use for the next build. For those who want to build life-size replicas of anything, <laughs> what what you said you, you learned some things from Master Chief. What, what do you feel like would be valuable for people to know if they want to print out like their own Master Chief? So you're going to want some good tools. So the best tool that I found from that Master Chief build was a a detail file sander. So, you know, like mouse sanders, their palm, like orbital sanders and things like that. This detail sander only has a belt that's like one inch uh, wide. And so you can really get it in the the creases and the hard to reach spots. That would just be a nightmare to sand by hand. And so I, I looked for about every shortcut I could find to minimize the amount of sanding that I could do on Master Chief. And that tool was a real uh, real game changer for me there. I'll uh, I'll but, second that one because I saw your video on that. Um, and like mm-hmm. as soon as I saw the video, I got on Amazon and bought one. <laughs> and it's great. I've got the belts of the different grits. And for some of the prints yeah. that I do, like, oh, it's so much easier to get into those areas where otherwise, you know, a palm sander, orbital sander wouldn't get. And you'd be sitting there with just digging in a tiny little. Yeah. And. Arbiter has like a hex hexagonal mat mesh mm-hmm. all like an as an undersuit all over his body would have been a nightmare to sand by hand. But with that tool, you just kind of poke it in the mesh holes and just move along. That's nice. Okay. So having that would be really beneficial. Is there anything else that you could think of? Make sure you have a 
spot to put it before, <laughs> before you start printing. And yeah, think of think of how it's going to uh, fit, how it's going to want to lean. The biggest problem I had to face was like preventing this thing from tipping over. And so I've got flagpole holders in the bases of Arbiter's feet. I poured concrete in his feet to to keep it, you know, heavy and low to the ground. There are a lot of mechanisms in place to make sure that the Arbiter doesn't tip over. The worst the worst outcome is that you finish this beautiful life-size project and then one day it gets bumped into and just tips over and collapses and 3D printing is great, but at this scale, it gets way too heavy to support its own uh, or to be strong enough to support its own weight like that. So a, a fall over or tip over would be disastrous. Yeah, gosh, I'm already thinking like in my head what a nightmare it would be if you guys ever like, you know, decided to move to a different location and just the act of moving those things anywhere. Because I'm sure they were built they, in the workshop and stay in the workshop and don't travel, right? They can't. They are going to be able to travel, though. Oh. So part of what we did was that we planned ahead. We're like, we want to be able to take these to conventions. We don't want to be able to take them to different shows or uh, different events. Like if Microsoft ever wants to hit us up, you know. Uh, so they, they're all still broken down into their individual components. Nothing is totally glued in place so you'll see me like i could carry away master chief's torso if i wanted to his head and arms all pop off and he's he, still a big boy you know <laughs> his his waist takes up my entire arms but uh but yeah he can still come apart and so can the arbiter it's it makes me real nervous but <laughs> but the, it, it's able to be done Mm -hmm. so for those events um sorry to interrupt uh but it would you be driving them i'm assuming and like it's like you couldn't fly that right no i i would be driving like five under the speed limit just <laughs> you know the <laughs> most casual sunday driving pace ever uh, see master just, chief just <laughs> sweating yeah i keep his head in the in the passenger seat next to me master chief is my co-pilot we'll get you the, <laughs> the bumper sticker yeah absolutely <laughs> wow that uh so Jensen, for anybody out there who hasn't um who hasn't seen what we're talking about like galactic armory head to the instagram head to the tiktok uh check out the videos because they like the whole process of that build was amazing um do you have it off the top of your head like like when we just simplify and say just the master chief, how many spools of filament that took just uh, to crank that thing out? I believe it was only 30 kilograms of filament. Okay. And Arbiter was 50, I believe. Part of what the Arbiter was, I kept track of all the filament costs and all the all the paint costs and everything like that. Uh, so let me see. Yeah, 50 kilograms. Uh, you want to guess how many hours of 3D print time it took? Let me think. When did we go from BC to AD? <laughs> um, that's, that would be my starting point. <laughs> so it took just over 4,000 hours of uh, 3D print time. Wow. About 173 days. That's why you need 70 printers, folks. <laughs> yeah. That's goes it. by a lot like, faster. Yeah. That, that is it. You know, it took us probably still three to, to five months to print it all out but but yeah having a lot of printers helps a lot 
Did you have like a group of printers that were like dedicated to the MC project? Like this yep. rack over here is just Master Chief. That was all they knew for like three months. Uh-huh. <laughs> was just Master Chief parts. Wow. That's How much? Oh, sorry. No, go, uh, go ahead. Your turn. I was just gonna say you said that you also kept track of prices. I know that's something that a lot of people are always curious about. If you're open to sharing, how much was the cost for each of those builds? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so. The Arbiter is kind of an outlier. Uh, it took about two grand to print out, which that's just in material costs. You know, you've got your man hours, whatever you value them at. You've got incidentals like glue and things like that. But Master Chief at 30 kilograms, that's not too much. You know, you can get six, five kilogram rolls and pretty much be there. Uh, the paint that we used on Arbiter was pretty expensive. It's like $400 for eight ounces, mm. but not too much. But Master Chief, the biggest investment is going to be your time by far. The material cost for Master Chief was probably only around $1,000. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a small price to pay to have a life-size Spartan in your living room or in your basement <laughs> oh my gosh i know that People was pay probably like so much more yeah Sorry, but... yeah no you're fine because that and you're absolutely right that was like i think the one biggest hold up that i had when to doing a life-size build is i remember when i when i first had like the the commander cody model that you have and i downloaded it um and just breaking it up and like and and granted printer wise i'm rocking a Sovol 01 and two ender threes right so mm-hmm. it's like okay this is going to take 27 <laughs> hours and it's basically his toe yeah <laughs> you know? like, uh, clear all your other projects off the bench it's time to actually finish some of the projects that you started while all of this is printing and <laughs> right yeah and that was the thing i you know i never scientifically figured out but i just began to figure <laughs> in my head like if i dedicated all three of my printers to this project maybe i could do another cosplay in like eight to ten months you know <laughs> yeah like i think we had nine that were dedicated to the project for wow. a few months but that was a uh... The benefit of having a bunch of printers, you know, when I was starting out, pretty much any profit I went, I got went to more 3D printers or making more designs, things like that. And started out small, but kept on growing. That is yeah. that is really good. Um, so for did you have something to say, Kayla? Or am I talking over top of you again? Oh nope, you got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we we have a lot of people out there. Um, and it feels like ever since COVID, it, it's a constant game of there are always new people coming into the hobby, coming into the, the industry, I guess you, you could say. Um, and, and I just feel like in that time, the amount of Facebook groups, the amount of Reddits, the amount of forums that are out there that are dedicated to 3D printing um, is just like infinite at this point. Um, but if anybody who's listening to this, who has always wanted to get into 3D printing and for whatever reason just hasn't pulled the trigger do you have some piece of advice or some piece of knowledge you would impart upon them? Oh, let's see. The biggest one that I always see people uh, fall into is the analysis paralysis. Mm. They they will consider the hundreds of different printer models out there, and they want to know what's the best one. They won't buy a 3D printer until they know exactly in their mind what the best one is. The fact is, 
the best one is always changing. It's always objective or subjective. Uh, and then, you know, people move past it. They're like, I don't want to really want a 3D print anyway. They, they, they always don't actually jump on the jump on the gun buy a 3d printer it might not be the first one or the right one uh but my first printer was a uh, a flash forge printer it did all right hated it moved on to a different model and uh, loved it and then i bought like 30 more of them mm -hmm. <laughs> so i'd say if you want to get into 3d printing don't stress too much about what the best 3d printer is watch maybe one top 10 video from from someone that actually makes cosplay stuff if cosplay is what you're interested in yeah i agree with that that was that that's where i was i you know my i'll, I'll tell you briefly because listeners of the podcast have heard it before um but my path to 3d printing was sort of i literally just saw like I think a Facebook video one time was somebody 3D printed something and I just half-heartedly mentioned in my living room, man, 3D printing looks kind of cool. Maybe I'll get into that someday. And then literally took the thought and trash binned it. Um, <laughs> it was two months before Christmas. My wife heard me say that. Oh. She did her own research, bought me a Flash Forge for Christmas. Um, and that's where the beginning of the gray hair started for me. <laughs> all the stress. <laughs> you know? all the, yes. There was a thousand failed prints ahead of you at that time. Yeah, exactly. And you don't know. And I think uh, so many people such as myself made the mistake of thinking it's a plug and play. It's a microwave. Like you plug it in, it does what it does. And, you know, the first three prints that didn't print right. I'm like, this is a lemon. This thing's a piece of shit, you know, and then you oh, like, OK, I didn't level the bed and I'm not cleaning the bed and extrusion and temp and all those kinds of things and yeah. yeah and now here i am like how many years later and kale and i bonded over 3d printing and now we're best friends so there is a <laughs> but, but there you, is a path you, to you, it you figured out how the printer worked you, mm -hmm. you figured out how to fix it you figured out how to troubleshoot it a lot of printers nowadays are very turnkey you know they just take them out of the box plug it in put some filament in and, and you're cooking mm -hmm. but back in 2020 20 23 really uh printers were a lot more you got to troubleshoot it you got to tune it you got to take care of it uh you know otherwise all you'll see is spaghetti yeah yeah i'm not saying that you have to get a printer like that turnkey printers are great if you can afford them uh but we we definitely had to figure out exactly how this 3d printer worked and how to keep it printing great mm -hmm. yeah i think it always pays you know i know a lot of us got started with a just more of a basic printer and learning that and i think um frank would always say that too it's like you can get any printer but you need to know how your printer works you, you need to mess up you need to fail because that's where you're going to learn exactly what that problem is and you were saying that earlier if you could hear what's going on you get that fine-tuned to your your yeah. printer and i think that's it's really important because otherwise people are buying Sometimes even those nice expensive printers, something will go wrong and they have no idea what could be the problem or, you know, no signs to recognize. So I think it's always good to start off with a basic printer and then maybe like work your way up. But yeah. Yeah. Just having the mindset of this isn't working now, but I bet I can figure it out is priceless. Priceless yes. to have. Figure Thank God out for YouTube. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> figure out ability that's the 
that's the word that I think is most important. I, and I tell people, anybody who's asked me who's looking to get into 3D printing, I said, you will get a 3D printer and you will also learn to be a 3D print mechanic because yes. they go hand in hand. And yeah. It is a love-hate relationship and <laughs> you're going to have to get used to it. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah, okay. Yeah, once you fix the one thing and you know how to fix it after that, it, it goes a lot faster, smoother, or you know which parts yeah. to upgrade to. And it's it's just it takes time. That's yeah. kind of how we got to the point we are. So I had at one point probably 80 3D printers at one point. I only had probably a 5% failure rate on prints because I was able to level them all, keep them all with good bed adhesion. You know, I was replacing parts that were getting broken or too old and the printers were old but they're still working pretty well because we knew exactly how to fix and take care of them mm -hmm. and yeah one person taking care of 90 printers is it, it's a full-time job but it is possible mm -hmm. yeah i i don't think i would want that job <laughs> <laughs> it is hell on your fingertips like <laughs> yeah. cleaning off 90 3d prints yeah yeah, you get a lot of ouchies. <laughs> Arthritis. Yeah, <laughs> callous fingertips, mm -hmm. really, really quick. Um, well, there we go. We are um, we are up against the clock on our time. Um, Aaron, we can't thank you enough for for coming on the podcast. Um, it's yeah, been well, thank a lot you guys of... so much for having me. I, I love talking shop uh, with <laughs> like minded people, so it was good good to talk. Good deal. Good deal. Uh, anybody who's listening, if you're not already following galactic armory um see a psychiatrist or just go follow galactic <laughs> armory uh such great stuff like i said phenomenal files that i personally have made myself in love and uh yeah the tiktok again we need to see you know the the finish of the arbiter and the next big secret project yes i'm excited to reveal it it's we're gonna have to make it like a cinematic event because uh it's been a year and a half in the making mm-hmm Love it. It should be like Steve Jobs, like when he would always do the um, announcements for like the new yeah. Apple product, just like you're on a <laughs> platform. Yeah, on, a, on, a, on a flat stage with a bunch of smoke in the background. And... <laughs> yeah. Coming to you 2025. We're thinking of like movie cinematics, like how can we like get a drone or something and yeah. make, it, make it a movie. Fly, <laughs> fly Scorsese in and um, yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. you will make TikTok history for sure. <laughs> Well, all right, folks, I uh, want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you for tolerating us. Uh, once again, thank you, Aaron, for coming on the, the pod. And uh, we will talk to you all again next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.